And if you would, please, let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Lord willing, we're going to finish that today. We'll, we'll see what happens, okay? Past few weeks since I've been teaching, when we started off, we've been talking about warfare a lot, right? When we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we've been seeing just the spiritual attack in how important it is to have unity in the body of Christ. Important to have that in the church. Each one of us has different gifts, right? We represent a different body part. And without that body part, it is difficult to do things at times. Doesn't mean you can't, but it does make it hard, right? And as you look around, maybe someone isn't here this morning, you know, it affects the body. Man, I wonder how they're doing. What's going on? I miss them, right? Also, we had talked about the roles of a husband and a wife, right? And how at times uh, it can feel like spiritual attack there. Why? Because that's where Satan's going to attack, right? If he could attack with inside in the church and also affect marriages, then he's winning. So that's where he's going to start. And so it's important that we know that with each other, right? Maybe someone's having a bad day. Your, your wife or husband are, are, I don't know, maybe they're just very snippety with you that day, right? Real short kind of attitude. Give them some space. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but just be with them right now. Just pray. I'd love to have a better evening conversation. Uh, take control, right? I mean, it's, it's important that we're always in prayer, that we're prepared, that we know what's going on, because that is what's going to happen. He's going to use, use us to attack each other, specifically husband and wives, right? Then last week we talked about children, how important that is to obey your parents. And uh, after just thinking about, thinking more about it and talking with individuals, it's like, yeah, we, we all grow up and you may not be under your mother or father's care anymore, but you're still a child. You're still their child. If your parents aren't gone, it doesn't matter. Your, your heavenly father, God, is, is watching you, and he desires and requires certain be uh, behaviors of you, right? And so it's so important to, to remember that. We had also talked that, you know, preparing these children as they get older for the workplace. I mean, you, you have to answer to somebody, Right? We talked about, well, if you're self-employed and you own your own business, well, then, yeah, you, you don't really have a boss. But it was cool because uh, last week after we I talked with, like, Mitch and Kim Buckle, and they were like, well, actually, the customer's your boss, right? And sometimes that could be a lot more difficult as well, depending on who the person is you're dealing with, right? So it's like, oh, dang, I totally forgot about that. So it doesn't matter where you're at, what you're doing, Someone's always kind of uh, above you, right? And, and how are we going to respond to that? So it's an important lesson that we're trying to teach these kids, prepare them for as they grow up in life. As we come to the last part of Ephesians here, we're talking about more warfare, right? Battle, the battlefield, fighting, except it's not physical, right? See, God's thought process is a lot different than our thought process, when we hear that word fighting, right away we think, okay, it's going to get physical. And that's not necessarily how it works with the Lord. He, he thinks a lot differently than us. And he's trying to teach us and train us on what we need to do and how we need to behave if we are his children, right? Because we do represent him. I know representing my mother and father, there's certain things I don't want. Uh, I don't want to leave a bad name upon them, right? So, so you act a certain way. When it comes to the Lord... Same thing. We don't want to make him look bad. And unfortunately, in this day and age, a lot of what's going on in the church, family, it's sad. There's some people that are making God look bad, right? Some of them, it's just unfortunate. So what do we do? We pray still, right? We still pray. Because each and every one of us is a work in progress. I don't know of anyone in this room that's perfect, including myself. We need God's help. We need his strength, right? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll jump right into this. Lord, this morning as we come before you, Father, I just want to pray and just ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, draw us closer to you, Lord, and, and train us, Lord, as your child on how you would want us to behave and how we're supposed to act for you. Lord, I pray and just ask that you would be with us this morning. 
And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. I am going to be reading out of the NIV version um, today. So we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay? Addressing all the family of God. Paul makes this uh, inspirational appeal to the soldiers of Christ. Every true child of God soon learns that this life in which we're living, right, it is warfare. It's warfare. Here's the thing. Coming to Christ is so awesome. I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest things I ever experienced in my life, okay? There were challenges along the way, and I even knew as a young kid what was right, what was instilled in me by my mother, by my father, by my grandparents, right? God's word, and, and grew up with that. And I received them at a young age, but then I detoured as I got older, right? Just to be honest, just like any uh, kid growing up, it just didn't seem cool. It didn't. There was so much distraction out there. This other stuff looked fun compared to just going to church and, and doing all this. As a kid, that's how it was for me. So I detoured for a while. Came back to Christ at 18 years old after I graduated high school. Been serving him, and I will say that serving the Lord is anything but boring, right? You don't realize that when you're a child, but when you grow up, when you're an adult, you start to see things a little bit differently, right? Certain verses minister to you in a different way. And that's how God was speaking to me and showed me that the Christian life is anything but boring, right? It isn't boring at all. Matter of fact, it's a lot more challenging. It's, it's warfare, but I, w- I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for the world at all. Have I encountered tough times? Yeah, horrible times. But that's okay, because God's been with me every step of the way. And that's something that I wouldn't trade in or have to go through that by myself, because I've seen what the world does. I've seen how they live, right? I mean, what was appealing to me at the time, living in Los Angeles, California, was the gang life, for whatever reason. But that was so appealing to me control, power. That's how they presented it. With power, guess what? You can, get, um, you can get money. Once you have power and money, then the girls come. Whatever that is you want. You don't go for that first. That comes later. It's power. It's control. For some reason, it was enticing to me. Right? Yeah, that, that looks... And they promise you the world. They really do. But guess what? It wasn't always there. And you learn real quick. <laughs> you learn real quick that you join something or you're, you're in a, a warfare or a battlefield that you're not going to win. Right? But that's not what some of these kids are taught. They're taught you do this and this is what comes your way. We're going to get more into that later on because, like I said, we're talking about a battlefield here. Right? The host of Satan are committed to hinder, to obstruct the work of God, to knock the believer, right, out of combat. How can they do that? Each one of us has our different button, right? I don't know what that is. You know what that is, okay? For some, you're not going to be tempted with alcohol. For others, you may be. Right? I know right now for me, I try to not put myself in positions to where I'm going to be disrespected pretty bad. That's the one thing I struggle with, disrespect. When I feel disrespected, I push back. But that's not the way God wants me to respond. It's human nature though, right? You feel like you're getting pushed against the ropes? I'm like, guess what? You bleed just as much as me. (laughs) And I'll show you. God's like, really? Really? Is that loving your neighbor? No. Yeah, you need to back up. You need to let me take control, right? But what's going to happen? 
Satan, his demons are going to do whatever they can to hinder, obstruct the work of Christ in our lives. The more effective a believer is for the Lord, guess what? The more attack that's going to come your way. I'm not saying this to discourage anyone this, here, this morning. And I'm not saying, hey, don't grow uh, further in your walk with the Lord. Okay, please understand that. No, no, no. Don't just be like, oh, you know what? I, d- I don't want to step out in faith. I don't want to serve because I don't want more attack. No. You're going to see here that, guess what? Those whom God calls, he equips. Right? He strengthens. He's there every step of the way. So don't, don't look at it from that perspective. Okay? But I will say that when you do step out, and you say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand for the Lord, then that's when the attack's going to come to try to throw you off. And the deeper you get with Christ, sometimes those attacks may not come frequently, but I'll tell you what, when they do come, they come very, very strong. Okay? I remember 18 years old saying, you know what, I'm going to finally get baptized, dedicate my life to the Lord. That morning on my way to church, some guy hits the back end of my car. And then he takes off. Hits me and takes off. On the day I'm going to get baptized. Distraction, right? You see? As I told you guys before, family, if he can get you up here, he got control of your whole body. If he gets you up here, Sometimes it comes really, really strong, real heavy. Other times it's little things that add up, right? This and this and this and that. And then before you know it, explosion, right? In our own strength, we are no match for the devil. In our own strength. We can't do it. So the first command in God's military here is that we should be continually strengthened in the Lord, in his resources, in his might. Okay? God's best soldiers are those who are conscious of their own weakness. Where, where do you struggle? That's okay. None of us, like I said, are perfect in here. If you know where your struggle is, that's the first step. You deceive yourself if you say, I'm good, I, I, can, I can handle this, I can do this. Uh, man, I always get a little weary of, uh, when I see someone that wants to step into ministry. And you ask them, are you nervous? No, I'm good. I'm ready for this. Pray. Because <laughs> that's when the attack's going to come. That's when the attack's going to come. Family, even doing this, I love doing this when Pastor Gary's gone and he asks me, will you teach? Will you fill in? Yes, I want to encourage the body of Christ. But I got to tell you, I get nervous. Right? What if I mess up a word? Or what if I, I don't know, I, all this stuff starts playing with your mind, right? You get up here, you guys are sitting down and you can tune in, in it out if you want. Up here, how am I presenting myself? Right? That's what Satan uses to try to get up here. Everything's perfect in here right now. In the past, okay? I remember these lights would shine on me and I'm like, man, this is pretty bright. Or sometimes the coolers didn't feel like they're on. It was getting hot. Great. Is there water in here? I don't see any right away. I didn't put my hand farther enough, so you're struggling with being hot. These lights, you're thirsty, all this stuff going on. Great. Am I going to pass out? Are they going to see me? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to freak out? What's happening? All these little things that add up, right? It's in God's hands. It's in the Lord's hands. But like I said, the distraction. God's best soldiers are conscious of their own weakness, ineffectiveness, right? So what do we do? We rely upon him. So what if I mess up? I mean, seriously, you're going to come up to me and be like, young man, that was pretty bad. Maybe. Hopefully it's in a loving way, though, right? Hopefully it's in a loving way. And if not, then that's something i got to work with with God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no, no one may boast before him. It doesn't matter if you or I think we are qualified. God looks at you and he's the one that does the qualifying. Right? He's the one that prepares you. He's the one that gives you strength to do these things. Serving here in the church, in ministry, or in the workplace. Lord, this person here, they're, they're coming at me. Help me to show them love. He's the one that gives us that ability. Right? Because in our own strength, we can't do it. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. God empowers his people, but he does not send them into the battle unarmed. Right? He prepares. He empowers. But we must put on the armor. He gives it to us but we have to put it on. Does that make sense? Every day, as we wake up, are we preparing ourselves for what's going to take place that day? And I know there are certain times, you know, we, we all joke around about this, right? But in the morning, if you wake up and say, Lord, I pray and help that you be with me today. Give me patience. You're like, mm, don't pray that, right? <laughs> We've all done that before. Why? Because God's going to give you an opportunity to show patience, but you may not recognize it right away, right? Or you're praying that very prayer because it's happened to me on my way to work and someone cuts you off and you lay on the horn, right? Seriously, what's wrong with you? He gave you an opportunity to express patience and you just blew it within five seconds, right? The full armor means complete equipment, head-to-toe protection, both defensively in offensively are you ready are you putting this stuff on are you asking god to help you this gear back in the day was meant for hand-to-hand -hand combat when you were suiting up that was no joke you knew what was going to happen you're going to go hand-to-hand -hand combat when you start putting on that armor in the mornings are we thinking that way as we're praying you're not physically going to go fight some co-worker right but are you putting this on that when they start firing these shots or start spreading rumors about you, is it going to just hit and fall? Just drop to the floor? Are you going to engage in battle? Which, that's something we should not do, right? Put it in God's hands. Paul wrote this letter while he was chained to a Roman soldier. And it's so cool because Paul, no matter what the circumstance was, he always looked at it as an opportunity to grow in the Lord. No matter what it was. Here he is chained to a Roman soldier. He's looking at this guy in all of his combat gear and God gives him this analogy of what it's like in Christ Jesus and what we should be doing as believers. How should we be suiting up each day? This is, this is what he does. He, he gives them this. I think it's so cool. Paul described the divine and complete outfit that God gives believers in order to provide all we need to be able to stand against the tricks of the devil because he does not fight fair. Doesn't fight fair at all, right? One of the things that we teach these kids here at, at Calvary Christian Academy is, is, look, if you have an active shooter or someone that gets on campus that should not be here, Lord forbid that happens here, and I hope it never does. But I always tell these kids, if someone gets here on campus, our job is to keep you guys safe. And, if, and I'll never leave. If I'm in a room with you, I'll never leave you by yourselves. We're going to wait. And if this guy tries to come in, guess what? Then it's go time. You're going to probably see a different side of me you've never seen before. And guess what? This is life or death situation. This isn't like a boxing match in a ring. The guy's coming in. Anything goes. I'm pulling hair, I'm kicking, scratching, I will bite you, I don't care. This is life or death, right? That's what the battle is, protecting these kids. 
the enemy doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight fair at all. But are we prepared for it? Verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, we fight a spiritual battle. It's not, like I said, we're going in and you're physically going to fight with somebody. No, it's a spiritual battle. A lot of times, those battles that we're thinking about, oh great, we're going to get into a physical fight with, they're not going to win. We're in a spiritual battle here. But we have to ask ourselves, who's the enemy? Who's the enemy? Is it the non-believer? No. It's not the non-believer. Although you will meet a person occasionally that has a lot of hate in them towards God, towards Christians, and they may physically feel like they are enemy of yours. But what does God tell us? How are we to, to respond to our enemies? With love, right? With love. And hopes that one day you will win them over by your actions, right? So even if they flat out tell you and say, you know what, I hate you, I hate your guts, it's, that doesn't mean it's time to, to go into combat mode and throw fists. No, we pray for them. Because that's a hard heart. That's a very hard heart. Even if you were to physically beat that person up, what's going to change after that? They're going to hate you all the more. I mean, in this day and age, they may go home and grab a weapon next day, come back and shoot you or, or do something to you. Right? Who's our enemy? Is it the secular media? Our world systems working relentlessly to undermine God's truth? No. It's not them either. Although they're often used as tools, right? And we see that right now, what's going on in our own media, the lies that are spread. But they're not our enemy. Who's our enemy? Our enemy is Satan. That's who our enemy is. It's Satan. And the spiritual forces of evil. In Genesis 3, Satan is the deceiver. In Zechariah 3, he is the accuser, right? In 1 Peter 5, he's the destroyer. Is the adversary of our souls and the souls of our friends and loved ones. Satan is the enemy. We must never forget that. It's not non-believers. It's not people here there. They need God's love. And we need to pray for them and show them God's love, right? doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. What's so cool about our church is we have so many little ministries and so many people that are plugged into different things to where we have so many opportunities to reach out to others. Last week, we had Anne for Wings for Life here, and she's like, hey, if you want to go into the prison, you know, uh, contact me. I'll tell you more than ever. Those guys need it in there. I remember going into YDDC with Carl Pete, preaching to those young men locked up, 11 to 21 years old. 11 years old, locked up in jail. Those kids need the love of God. You need to show them that. You know, some of them, they get put in a place like that. Parents turn their backs on them, want nothing to do with them. They need to know that someone still loves them, though. God does, and he'll forgive them. And it's true. As Paul sounded this battle call, he wanted us to know who we're fighting. Who we're fighting and how we are to fight. Our enemy is powerful but he is also a defeated foe. He doesn't win. Who wins, family? God. God wins. The battle's already been won. Right? I was on a bike ride the other night. I was going, it was 
a short ride, but as I was riding, I was on um, California Street headed north towards Comanche, okay? And as I'm going that way, I, I get ready to cross, and some, some house has this sign lit up every night, I guess in white lights, it says, God wins. Lit up, and I was just like, that is so cool. They had it up since Christmas. I thought it was, nope, it's still up. And every day they turn that on. God wins. That's our reminder. That's our reminder. God wins. The battle's already, already been won. As we prepare to engage him in spiritual warfare, we must not be intimidated by his influence. Okay? Use the full armor of God to stand together with other believers. That's why it's so important that there's unity with, within the church, right? We encourage each other. What's going on? How your day-to-day -day, uh, life is going in Christ Jesus because attack is going to come. 1 Peter 5.8, this is the, the NLT version. I love the way it's worded here. It says, stay alert. Stay alert, right? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay alert. They're always on watch. That's what happens when you're in the battlefield, right? Different individuals take different posts. You're on watch 24-7, making sure no attack is going to come. The time you let your guard down is when the attack typically comes, when you're not ready for it, right? Nothing's going to happen. Stay alert. Like I said, growing up around gang members and, and seeing how they were and just for some reason, like I said, kind of wanting that type of lifestyle, there were certain things you learned from some of the older guys. And one of the things they always told the younger ones is, you know what, if we're going to go do something, never get high or get drunk before you go do something. You need to be in your right frame of mind. That's how you die. You're not alert. Right? Got to be alert. You're out there where, wherever you're at. Make sure that you have protection. Guys around keeping an eye out, looking out. When you start to hear uh, more and more and as things went on with me, to me, like I said, that lifestyle, it changed for me. It wasn't that appealing anymore. Because then the true test came for me, Right? The true test came. You got to know what battle you're in, right? Or what you're even getting into. I didn't know what I was getting into right away. I thought I knew. I didn't fully know. When you give your life to Christ, you know what you're getting into. Well, let, that's why we're talking about it today. For me, like I said, I did not know what I was getting into. These guys were okay with you as long as you were around them and it was them only. Problem with me is that I knew more than half the school in a, in a high school, and I would just say hi to everybody. You can't hang out with these guys and then go hang out with these guys and then go hang out with those guys, right? Don't work like that. And that's what happened to me. I had a guy, a friend of mine, right, come up to me in class and grab me by the throat and slam me against the wall. And he says, you know what? It's time for you to make a choice. You think you're big and bad? What's up? I've been watching you. Either you're for us or you're not with us. What's it going to be? Uh, the job, the task before me was to prove loyalty to them was stab my cousin that went to the school and he's like a brother to me. Sorry, family's everything to me. right? But back then, see, I had an attitude. And it still comes up every once in a while, but I, I had an attitude and I'm young and I think I know everything at 15 years old, right? Because he was my friend, or I thought, and he grabbed me by my neck and threw me up against the wall, I ended up grabbing him back and slamming him up against the wall. And he says, okay, after school, that's it, you're done. What does that mean? You're done. Hospital, death, what's it going to be? 
You know, my, my parents, I've never told them this story, and, um, you know, my mom, I'm sure, is going to hear it or see it now, okay? Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but I never told her, but after school, this guy went and got 20 gang members to come after me, to Lord knows do what to me, and I ran home, and I did not look back. I ran the whole way home because I wasn't sure what was going to happen to me. Later on that day, a friend came to my house and he says, hey, they're looking for you. And by the way, you know I'm part of that gang, right? I can get them off you right now, but you need to make a choice, man. You're either around us and you're cool with us or, and you want in or don't ever come around us again. Like, like I'm, I'm cool with you, but we have to draw ties here. And that was it. I had to cut ties. Got them off. Don't go around those guys ever again. You learn real quick, right, on what you're getting signed up for or what that lifestyle is all about. Are we alert? Family, I'm telling you, this is a spiritual battle which we're fighting. If you did not know that, now you do. And this is how we have to combat it, right? In the Lord. Stay alert. Stay alert. Verse 13, this is what we do. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, take up. This is a technical military term describing preparation for battle. Take up. The armor is available, but like I said, the believer must take it up. They must put it on, right, in order to be ready. We would be irresponsible otherwise, right? If you're going to go into battle and say, I don't need this, it's kind of like those, <laughs> those young men, right, going out to football practice, and they don't put their protection on, right? Specifically, the cup. I don't need that. Coach don't know what he's talking about. Sure. Coach don't know what he's talking about. Till you get hit once there, right? You learn real quick. That was careless. That was dumb. You could have avoided so much pain, right? If you would have listened. The battle is real. That, that is something that we do need to be aware of, family, that the battle is real, okay? That we are Satan's targets. Okay, don't ever think that, oh, not me. He'll do whatever he can. Only with the armor will believers be able to withstand. Only with the armor would you be able to to withstand this great opposition. If not, he comes in. Right? John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without God we can do nothing. Don't get me wrong, you can go out and try to do certain things, right? But in your own strength, in your own ability, over time you will, you will fall. You will fail. You can't do it on your own. That's just, that's just human nature and who we are. Without renewing your mind daily in, in God's word, we're going to fall. You've got to put the armor on. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. In order to stand in the heart of the battle, we need every piece of God's armor. Every piece. The order of the pieces listed in the following verses is the order in which we should put them on, right? First we have here the belt of truth around your waist. This belt was about six inches wide, probably made of leather. It held the clothing uh, underneath as well as holding the other pieces of armor in place. 
right? Probably has a, a sheath for the sword, other weapons and, and gear that you could have right here, easy access, right? You got to have that. You know, like I said, once again, belt of truth, belt's important. Once again, back in the day, growing up, being around gangsters, the, the thing was for them was the big clothes, baggy clothes. But they wore a belt. If not, your pants fall off, right? Times have changed. We fast forward. A few years ago, I remember for some of these guys, now they're going with like skinny jeans, okay? And they sag them down to like where half their butt's hanging out or all of it's hanging out. But they don't wear a belt. And I'm thinking... Even we wore belts. Like, what the heck's going to happen if you come to get into a fight or if you have to run from the cops? You're running and having to pick up every step. It slows you down. Once again, these kids weren't taught correctly, you know? Even in doing sin, they weren't taught the proper way. <laughs> My goodness. You know? Belt of truth. It's there for a reason. It plays an important part here, right? The belt was fastened to the soldier on duty, ready to fight. As the belt formed the foundation of the soldier's armor, the truth is the foundation of the Christian life. Our belt. The truth refers to believer's character as a person who can be relied on for the truth. God's truth uh, is revealed to us through Jesus Christ, right? Next, the soldier must put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate was a large leather bronze or chain, kind of like a bunch of chains going across, right? Front, sometimes back, that protected the body from the neck to the thighs, hang, hang low, in case something gets through. Protection. I guess modern day, you could look at it, it would be like a bulletproof vest to an officer, right? Protection for the vital organs. The breastplate was a vital piece of the soldier's armor. No soldier would go into battle without his breastplate. Often, this had a back piece, like I said, too, protecting the body from being hit. Righteousness provides a significant defense. Okay, it gives the evidence that we have been made right with God and that this righteousness has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Do we have that righteousness? Believers are made righteous through the blood of Christ. Through the blood of Christ. Okay? Once again, nothing that you or I have done, it's all Him. The believer wants to live in uprightness and integrity, desiring to please the one who saved them. I don't know about you, but that's what I desire to do, right? I want to make daddy happy in what I'm doing and how I'm living. Although I make mistakes, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Get back up and keep going, right? Verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace... A soldier wears special sandals or military shoes that protected his feet without slowing them down, right? Back then, you can say maybe these were specifically Roman soldiers. They had these special shoes made of, or sandals, I should say, made of soft leather. And at the bottom, you would have some type of all these metal things put in to give you traction, right? So that you can move a little bit better without slipping in the terrain there. When you go to battle, you can plant your foot to where it stays and you're not going to budge when you're going to hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? Special shoes is what they had. Same for us, believers. We need special shoes. The readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The word of God is the gospel or good news that brings peace, right? Do we have the gospel message? Have we received the gospel message? That should give you the peace. Right? Like I said, those whom God calls, he equips. Yeah, there's times you're going to be nervous, but do know, like his word says, what does he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? Doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. 
He's just going to be with you every step of the way and help you and guide you. All right? We must remember that. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The gospel, taking it to others. All of us are called to do that, to preach, okay? There's different forms of preaching, family, once again. This is one of them right here behind the pulpit. Not everyone can do this, right? Believe me, this here was, was a struggle for me many, many years ago. I've, been, I've, I've gotten better. I'm not, by no means have I perfected being behind the pulpit speaking in front of people. But he's taken that, um, all the nerves, he's calmed them, everything, and he's made it easier. Do I still get nervous? Of course. But I know he's with me. He's going to help me. How do we preach in the workplace? Maybe through your actions, maybe through your kind words, right? There's different ways of doing that. But we're all called to preach in some way, shape, or form. And you can do that. Maybe the way you're preaching to your boss is following every instruction they're giving you, even if in your eyes it is incorrect, right? They don't know what they're talking about. But you're just obeying. That speaks to them, right? It speaks to them. We proclaim the good news. Verse 16. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you could extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the shield of faith. That way you don't get hit with objects, flying objects, right? I mean, you look at law enforcement today too. When they go to a riot, they have shields just because they have their shield doesn't mean they don't wear their bulletproof vest. They still put on everything. Why? Because you never know where the threat's going to come from. Right? You've got to be prepared. When those fiery darts come that the wicked one is, is shooting off, you know, we'd be able to block those. They'll hit the shield and fall to the ground. What do we see here? We see that faith is a firm confidence in the Lord and His Word. The shield of faith. That's our faith. It's in Christ Jesus, right? Confidence in the Lord and His Word. When temptation burns, when circumstances are hostile, when doubt attacks, when shipwreck threatens, faith looks up to God and says, you are with me, right? You are with me. Believe me, on our own strength, it, it's hard to see that. It's very hard. But God is with me. Because, like I said, the attack comes. It's going to hit each and, every us, each and every one of us differently. Whether it's being tempted with something physical or him playing mind games with you, telling you things. Right? I've been there. I can't tell you how many times where I've thought, man, I don't know if I'm ready to go on in life. And that happened at a very, very young age. Think I'd better if I just leave this earth. Yeah. The attack's heavy, it's strong. Maybe you're there now, right? What the heck am I doing in this world? How's God using me? <laughs> God loves you. For one, he's blessed, he's blessed you with a, a new day of life for a reason, right? Because you're his child, he wants to use you. Don't listen to those thoughts. You, you know what I'm talking about and how heavy they come sometimes. Feel like giving up on everything, right? Feels like children are against you, spouses against you. It's where you put on the armor, family, because it's going to come. Are we ready for it? 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. Our faith in the Lord. Verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet God's provide is salvation. No matter how hot the battle is, how fierce it's going to get, right? The Christian is not alarmed. Why? Because we know that, once again, God wins. He's in control. He wins. doesn't matter if everything falls apart. God wins. Maybe you're looking at a Job situation where you're losing everything. He's still in control. He still has you. This assurance, it preserves us from retreat or surrender, knowing that God is in control, that he wins. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Finally, the soldier takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You always got to have the Word with you. That's why it's so important that you're in God's Word every single day. Read your Bible and pray every single day, right? Read your Bible and pray every single day. I'll never forget that. That's something I heard years back by Pastor John Corson at a pastor's conference. Read your Bible and pray every single day. It doesn't matter if it's one verse every day. That one verse does a lot of help for you. You understand? See, it's hard for any one person to know the whole Bible and every verse that's in there and what it says at all times. But when the attack comes, right? When the attack comes, do you know God's word enough to refute what's coming your way, right? Heck, even Jesus himself got tempted when he was in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. Satan came to him, right? And tempted him. Hey, you're hungry, aren't you? Why don't you turn those rocks into, in, into bread? What? What did he do? He quoted scripture. For man shall not live by bread alone. He was firing back. He wasn't quoting the whole Bible. He was quoting stuff that specifically Satan was throwing at him. Whatever it was, it was those verses going back, right? This is what God's word says. This is what God's word says in this situation, in this situation. We got to have the sword with us at all times. Like I said, I don't expect you, I mean, because I myself, I don't know front to back every word in, in, in this book here. But I do know that when I do get attacked, you lying devil, this is what God's word tells me. This is what he tells me, that he is always there for me, right? That he loves me. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul was not calling prayer a weapon here. Instead, he was giving them, you know, the how-tos for taking up the armor described in the previous verses. But you must not underestimate Satan's forces. Like I said, he will strike at different people in different ways. So what do we need to do? We need to pray. And pray always, right? He'll attack at different times of the day. Maybe right before you're getting ready to go to bed. Here comes a fight you didn't even know was getting ready to come. And if he doesn't come at you, I guarantee you at any one in this room, we're going through something at one time or another. And so... As I said when, a few weeks back when we first started, you know, when Pastor Gary had left, my very first teaching with you guys, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.17, two words, pray continually. Pray continually. 
doesn't matter what's going on. Pray. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for your family. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your kids. Pray for the church, right? Pray for something. There's something that can definitely use prayer because Satan's attacking. Verse 19 and 20. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul was writing from prison and it's crazy because he doesn't even say pray that I would get released early. That's not even what he prays for. Right? He don't pray for that. Rather he asks for pray for me so that in my delivery when I open up my mouth <laughs> I will speak boldly and proclaim the gospel even harder, right? That's what he got locked up for in the first place. And he says, pray that I wouldn't be intimidated, but pray that God would give me strength so that I would do it all the more, right? He had no regrets for what he did. He was going to go now before trial, and he's like, pray that God would give me the right words to say. I would say it with tact, and I would still preach the gospel, even though it landed me in here. Why? Because uh, some of those officials need Jesus, right? I mean, it's just like our country. Like I said, our state, all these elected officials, those that are, you know, serving the Lord and believers, we pray for them that God's put them in those positions, that they would continue to, to serve, um, you know, in our state, our community, our country, and, and he would use them for his glory. And those that don't have Christ in their lives, we pray that they receive Christ. Because if not, I would hate to see the wrath that they get from our Lord and Savior. Believe me, it's not anything great. And I don't know about you, but the word says that we should not desire, right? Or we should not be happy in other people's suffering at all. I don't care how crazy or off his rocker he is, our president needs Jesus, right? And so we pray for that. We pray for that, that he receives salvation because he is getting older and that day is going to come. He needs the Lord. Verse 21. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that you may be encouraged, right? Or that he may encourage you. We see here that he carried this letter to the Ephesians as well as to the Colossians. We see here that Paul says, this dear brother, he's a faithful minister. He's a faithful minister bringing the good news to the Ephesian church. And, you know, he was hoping that they would receive him, being that he'd just come from Paul, right? Look, this is a co-laborer in Christ. You may not have me physically here with you, but he's been with me. Here's the letter that, that he has for you guys, Right? It's going to be passed out amongst other churches there, but he's going to give you in-depth information. Why? To encourage them. Right? Encourage them of what's taking place. Don't lose heart in this battle. Paul had lived in Ephesus for three years, had become very close to the believers there. He did not write all of these details in this letter. Like I said, it's going to several churches, but instead he says... Here we go. Our dear brother, faithful servant of the Lord, is going to share this with you. Listen to what he's saying. Be encouraged by this. Right? Paul wanted to encourage the believers, for it seems they were discouraged because he was in jail. He wanted them to know that even though he was in jail, it was resulting in great things for the church worldwide. Just that heart, just that attitude of his. 
no matter what happens to me, he's always looking at how can I take this as a witnessing opportunity, right? How can I share this with others? And he wants to encourage them to, to see that, to take part in that. Verse 23 and 4. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Paul concluded this letter as he began it with reference to grace and peace. These two essential cornerstones for the Christian life. Grace and peace in Christ Jesus. Paul ended by pronouncing a blessing, which was his way of helping the Ephesians walk in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that come from God the Father. Right? Don't give up. Yes, it's hard. But the battle's still there. It's got to be fought. But once again, you're not going into, into this battle fighting physically. You're fighting this a totally different way. You're putting it in the Lord's hands. You're praying continually that he would take control. He would give you wisdom, give you strength, right? I don't know about you guys, but whenever I have to go into a meeting with someone from the school, specifically a parent or a family, if they're not happy with something, I'm always praying, Lord, give us the words to say. Give me the words to say. Because it's hard sometimes when people come at you and attack you and accuse you of stuff because, guess what, you're a Christian and this is what God's word says. It's funny how they always know what you should be doing, right? But what about what they should be doing as well, according to Scripture? They always point out what you should be doing and how you failed as a Christian to do this. And yes, even though this kid messed up and you're going to expel him, what happened to grace and mercy? We'll show grace and mercy. And we have plenty of times. But when you bring in somebody and there's no remorse for their sin, then you enforce the handbook. And according to the handbook that you signed, this is how you agreed that your child would act and that you would support us in disciplining them. So according to the handbook, we have to expel them. You're going to hear from my lawyers and all this stuff. You know how hard it is to sit there and take it with not going back and saying something in the flesh? The only way we can do that is through his strength. Because I know what I want to say. Oh, believe me. I'm one of those where, let's play the game. I'll come back at you. But a lot of times God always tells me when I'm in a situation like that, shut up. Just shut up. You don't need to defend yourself. I am your defender. And I don't care if they look at you like you're stupid or you don't know anything. You're my child. I will defend you. All right, Dad, go ahead, right? Because he'll do a lot better job at it than me, I'll tell you that right now. Right? And I'd rather him be in control, not me. So, family, the battle is there. It's up to us to put on the armor. Right? It's up to us. Remember, when you get up every morning, read your Bible and pray every single day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we just want to thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy upon our lives. Thank you for always watching over us, protecting us, and defending us, Lord. Father, I pray in those times where we have blown it, where we have come off in the flesh and um, done things that we regret, Father, we ask for forgiveness now. Lord, maybe we didn't even know that that wasn't right of us. Lord, going over your word this morning, seeing how we should be responding as soldiers in your military, Lord, if any one of us has blown that, Lord, Please forgive us. Your word says that you're faithful, you're just to forgive us of our sins. And so that's what we ask for right now, Lord, for you to forgive us, for you to help us in this day-to-day -day walk with you because it is not easy. 
The daily grind is hard. And Lord, we could only get through it through your love, your grace, and your mercy. So we pray and ask that you continue to be with us and bless us with that every single day. Lord, I ask that as we get ready to, to go home, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Show us, Father, that the battle is already won. The battle is already won, Father. You have taken victory over Satan. And there's nothing that he can do to separate us from our love from you. Or your love from us, I should say. Father, I pray and just ask that you would, like I said, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Prepare us as we get ready for another work week, Lord. I pray that you would make changes in our lives that need to be made and that you would build us, mold us and shape us and build us into the men and women of God that you would want us to be for you, for our church, for our families. Father, I ask now that you would just help us as we go home, Lord. Like I said, prepare us for this new week. And we just ask all of this in your precious name. Amen.